Welcome to Know My Faith. My guest uh, again is Steve Schmidt. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us on the podcast again. Totally my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. How are you enjoying uh, acting again? Because you've, you, you've been back into that for a few years now. Oh, I love it. I don't know what I'd be doing with myself without it right now. You know, I kind of semi-retired from ministry, at least from full-time ministry. And uh, this is definitely the thing that's taking its place and <laughs> giving me some passion and drive and enjoyment. I remember when I was on radio, people used to say, uh, you know, do you enjoy the job? And I go, well, let me see. Uh, I sit on my backside playing great music, talking to some of the most famous and interesting people in the world, and I get paid for it. Am I enjoying my job? <laughs> let me get back to you on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was interested to hear that uh, you're heading to uh, Camp Shoshana shortly, uh, Ariel Ministries uh, Camp Shoshana, and teaching on the tabernacle. It's one of my favorite topics at the moment. Oh, wonderful. I wish you could be there. That would be awesome. We're looking at trying to get over next year. This year, it's uh, we're still sorting out lockdown in New Zealand and everything and uh, and recovering. Uh, so I'll bring the camera for that if you're there next year and we'll do, we'll do something face-to-face. Well, I'm hoping that um, after I finish teaching, the lessons will be available. Yeah. And if they're not, I'll make my notes available to you when I'm done. So, As you've been... Um, researching for for the teaching what's jumped out to you regarding the whole thing with the tabernacle well you know i've been studying the word and i've been in the word for over 30 years at at an advanced level so it's not like this was a fresh topic to me yeah but it's also not a topic i've ever taken any significant interest in either and i've always been very concerned and protective over over typing things So we know that the tabernacle and the temple, we can use those interchangeably for this conversation, represent heavenly truths. But then I've heard teachers, they just come up with, where'd you get that from? They make things up from my perspective because they seem to match. So I wanted to be careful to teach the types and the antitypes, but not go off into my own world, my own opinions, if that makes sense. Uh, do you remember the the song, The Deck of Cards, the the soldier that was taken before a a, um, a court martial because he they, they said he was playing cards on the Sabbath, on the Sunday? And he said, no, he says, this is my Bible. He says, when I look at the ace, I remember that there is only one God. When I look at the two, it reminds me of the two testaments. The three reminds me of the Trinity. And it's like, when they created or whoever created the cards in the first place, they didn't think, oh, I know, look, look, the four, we'll make that the four Gospels. They didn't think that at all. But he's taken that and put his own interpretation on it. And, and I think we do that a lot with with a lot of Old Testament stuff. We go, well, this could mean this and this could mean that. And it's hard right. sometimes to say, well, actually, no, it doesn't. I'm glad you said that. And, and I'm going to be careful because that's not my approach. I don't accept it. So I'm going to teach at least one class on how to interpret scripture and typology in general. Yeah. In fact, I thought, you know, what I could do, I'm looking at my computer here. That's why my eyes are running all over the place. Um, I would give you my, the 10 lessons that I'm going to be teaching at camp. Yeah. So the first one is the temple and its significance. Why are we talking about the temple? What's the big deal? Yep. Second lesson will be the temple's location. There's some controversy right now over where the temple originally stood. I'm not talking about where on the Temple Mount. There's popular theology, theology, <laughs> discussion that it wasn't on the Temple Mount at all. Yeah. 
So I'm going to talk about that. Um, then I'll dive into typology and we'll look at uh, what typology is in general, how to use it in the scripture, and then the temple's typology in general. Yeah. Uh, that brings going to bring me to the, the Torah, the law, and specifically lesson four is going to be called the law brings death. We went in my lessons, there's no way of avoiding going back and forth to the Torah. So what place does the Torah have in the believer's life and the temple and all the sacrifices and all the death? So we'll give an entire lesson over to the, the, the law and its reign of death and blood. The standard Gentile um, understanding of sacrifice is I get the cow, I put it on the altar, it turns to charcoal and God is pleased. Uh, there's so much more in that that even, you know, as you say, you've been in ministry for a long time, as have I, but even as I'm reading through the Levitical laws and things, I'm going, this is so hard to understand what it's all about and why it's all about. Is that is that easier for you as a Jewish person? No, I don't think... Um... Jew or Gentile has anything whatsoever to do with whether what somebody understands Leviticus. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, sure, if if you're raised in a Talmudic biblical culture, you can at least, you'll have exposure to it from your childhood and understand at least more of it. Okay. But having said that, the traditional Jewish perspective, aka the Talmud, is not our perspective as New Testament believers. Yeah. So to me, the understanding, like for anybody else, it just comes through study. And how it all points to Christ. Uh, I remember uh, one of Spurgeon's great comments is uh, with a sermon. You know, he said, if you, if the sermon doesn't lead to the cross, what's the point of the sermon? And I think with our typology or with anything we look at in, in the Torah or in the Tanakh, if it doesn't point us to Yeshua, then we're doing something wrong. Well, I think in the macro, that's definitely the case, but in the micro, not necessarily so. You know, there's there's portions of the Bible that build up to other portions of the Bible. Yeah. And you have to have that foundation, and the foundation itself may not give you an understanding of the gospel, but it builds a knowledge base that gives you an understanding of the gospel. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So you were, you were, um, where were we up to? Was the placing of the temple? Ah, yeah. So the temple, its significance, the temple's location, typology, the law brings death. That's where I left us off. Um, then I'm going to dive into the holy place. Um, the holy place, the holy of holies. Yeah. And then we'll discuss the Ark of the Covenant. And then I'm going to be taking people into the throne room of heaven. That, that would be nice. Can I join that tour? <laughs> I mean, most, most people just go to the Holy Land and, and Egypt and Syria. I mean, if you're going to take us into the throne room of heaven, I'll sign up for that one. Working really hard to get attendance up at camp this year. <laughs> no, post-COVID, we've really got to offer something big. <laughs> so then after the throne room, we go to uh, Temple Mount Archaeology. Yep. Then I'm going to talk about the temple's future, a little more of that in Lesson 10 for the most important temple. So those are my 10 lessons. I think Arnold Fruchtenbaum talks about four temples in, in total, which was the, the Solomon's Temple, Herod's Temple, the Tribulation Temple, and then the Millennial Temple. How, where do you stand on that? Yeah, that's where I'm at. I mean, obviously, there must be a temple built 
it, it's got to be there by mid-tribulation because the, the sacrifices are stopped then. Um, right. So we would see that being destroyed in a, in a fourth temple being built for the millennium? That's how I see it, yeah. And the fourth temple, the millennial temple, is much larger, much different than the previous ones. Ezekiel has, I don't remember offhand, say eight chapters or whatever dedicated to yeah. describing this temple. Yeah, and that's so Ezekiel obviously not describing then, in that case, the, the tribulation temple. Right. God says to the Israelites, yes, I will dwell with you, but I'm a holy God and you're a sinful people. So if I dwelt closely with you, uh, then my holiness would break out and kill you all. So if you're going to build somewhere for me, you've got to do it to these exact specifications. You've got to cover it up with all these skins and things. And and, and the fact that that basically the, the average Israelite had nothing to do with the holy place or the holy of holies. We we read it in the scriptures, but you know, even the Levites were camped around the tabernacle to stop the rest of them from coming too close, except to bring sacrifices. But then in Christ, God says, you know, I've done with all of that. I'm going to dwell in you because I've made you now holy. Well, yes, and yet his manifest presence still isn't there because we're still in our flesh and sinful creatures. Yeah. And so the biggest reveal and the biggest fellowship is still yet to come. We oh, just, yeah. just I mean, we're like the 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 caterpillar who's in the cocoon. We know butterflies coming, it's in the process. Yeah. But yeah. we're just a ball of slime in a cocoon right now. <laughs> yeah, John says that, doesn't he? In in First uh, John, you know, we don't know, we don't know what we shall be like, but when we see him, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. Yeah, I like that passage. Tell me your thoughts on the not on not on the holy of holies, but on the holy place with the the, the menorah and the table of showbread and the uh, the altar of incense. You want me? You want me to give spoilers? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, we're not going to be at camp, so you know. <laughs> so it's okay. Give us the trailer for the movie. Okay, well, in the holy place, which is separated by a curtain from the Holy of Holies, that curtain represents the barrier between man and God. Uh, Sin, flesh, our inability to get from point A to point B because of our lack of holiness. And when Yeshua was crucified and rose again, that thing was torn in half to show that the presence of God is now made available to the believer. We don't need a high priest other than Yeshua to make intercession for us. We can come boldly before the throne. Yeah. So I think that's the typology with, with, the, with the curtain there. The menorah uh, represents the Holy Spirit, and it's his sevenfold ministry. We see the menorah also depicted in heaven. There's seven lights flashing or standing before the throne so we can see okay we can line that up and then Zechariah talks about um he had a vision and the angel tells him that his menorah and his vision re- represented the holy spirit yes so i put those things together and i said yeah it makes sense to me it's the holy spirit and uh you know the light that he gives we've got the ta- the table of showbread and this gets a little trickier yes it does <laughs> Yeah, with the menorah, I could point you to Zechariah, I can point you to Revelation, and I can even point you to Isaiah. But with the table of showbread, I really can't point you anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And so it becomes more speculative than the others. When I was in Israel five years ago, and uh, I spent a, a wonderful Shabbat evening with Israel Harel, 
Um, and one of the things I wanted to learn about was the table of showbread. You know, I was, I was very interested in the, in the ordinances of the tabernacle and the temple. And I said, I, I, yeah, the table of showbread, the, the altar of incense, I understand that. That's our prayers that, you know, of intercession, the, the, the menorah got that. Table of showbread, I'm completely confused. And, uh, and Israel said to me, he says, he says, do you know the name Maimonides? And I said, yes, I know Maimonides. He says, even Maimonides admitted he had no idea what it was all about. Yeah. And having said that, and that being the basis for where we launch. Yeah. How could it not enter somebody's head, 12 loaves, and the scripture Torah specifically says that they're given on behalf of Israel. So the 12 loaves represent the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes. And they're in the presence of God. Yeah. As if God is always watching over the 12 tribes. Because that's that's the, the better translation, isn't it? It's the, it's the table of the presence. Yeah. Um, the pre- presence, presence would be literally it's his face. Yeah. You know, so the, it's the bread that's in his face. <laughs> so the bread of his presence would be a good modern way of saying that. You know, I don't know about where you're from, but if somebody gets into our space, we say, get out of my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we could say we're that close to God in his heart that he's looking over Israel, you know. (laughs) And then others say, since it's bread, um, it's not just God overlooking Israel, but God's providing for our daily bread. And we pray in the new covenant, give us this day our daily bread. So there, there's some legitimacy to that. It's just not rock solid. Before you talked about different types and things, and you could read the wrong stuff into it. You know, the 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 frankincense which is poured over the bread, um, the fact that the bread is baked every week and placed it, it's replaced on the table every week, but the priests can't eat it until it's a week old, and it's and it's been sitting out in the hot <laughs> Israeli sun. To the natural man, that might seem difficult. But when things first started, this is the God who made bread rain from heaven six days a week. If they gathered it and it stayed an extra day, it would rot, except for when they gathered it on Shabbat, then it wouldn't rot. So bread lasting a week is not a big deal. (laughs) But when God withdrew his presence, maybe they had ways of cheating. I don't know. Maybe it dried out. I mean, that's the other thing. We talk about God removing his presence. Uh, what a lot of us forget. We, we all know the story that when Jesus died, the temple curtain you know, tore in two from the top to the bottom and revealed the way into the Holy of Holies. I think what most of us forget, though, is that there was nothing in the Holy of Holies in that Herod's temple. Because the Ark of the Covenant was already gone, yeah. And Ezekiel had given the, the, the had seen the vision of the glory departing in stages. Um, and so the question that and I've asked a few people, I don't know if you've got into researching it yet, is on the, particularly on the Day of Atonement on Yom Kippur, the high priest is supposed to go in and sprinkle the blood on the four corners of the Ark of the Covenant. I'm going, what were they doing for all those years with no Ark in the Holy of Holies? I, you're, I don't know. I've never researched it either. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, there doesn't seem to be an answer. The guys are like, okay, I'm going to go in there now, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. So now I've, I've ruined your whole lessons. You're going to have to research that before you get to Shoshana. Oh, thanks a lot. I'm not going to sleep tonight. 
<laughs> Imagine that I'm at your class or I'm, I'm listening to the to the audio or watching the, the, the video of it. Um, what do you want me to take away at the end of all your sessions on teaching on the tabernacle? Well, there's a couple portions of it that are closer to my heart than others. Um, practically speaking, first of all, this, um, I don't know what, what words to use, conspiracy theory, this misteaching, uh, this idea that the, the temple really wasn't on top of the Temple Mount, that is just simply not, not, not acceptable. Yeah. And the fact that the belief has become so popular because of social media and people's inability to differentiate some man's opinions without researching. So I want people to come away knowing the truth and being better Bereans in the future. Yeah. You know, if somebody comes up and you have never researched a given topic, like the location of the temple, and he says, well, Fred, George, and Harry, who are the professionals, say this should have happened and this didn't happen, so therefore this happened. There's, first of all, are Fred, George, and Harry the professionals? Yeah. Second of all, did they really say that? And third of all, if they did, does that necessarily imply what you're saying? This is just straight up logic. Yep. yep. So hopefully from that session, people will get a little bit better with being a little more critical in their thinking and not catching the latest wind of doctrine or whatever that comes by. Um, also, I want to make sure that people become much less willing to play with types in the scripture. And uh, not just the temple types, any types. Yeah. Uh, no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, says the, the scripture. Yes. So just because something sounds good, looks good, feels good, doesn't mean it's so. Yeah. And we, I want people to also be more critical in their approach to that. I'm just in an online course with uh, Dr. Igal Giaman uh, doing uh, the book of Zechariah. It may have been him that said it, but it's like if... If you are, if you come up with an idea or you, a theology or a doctrine or something like that, and you're doing the research and you're looking through the commentaries and, and nobody else says the same thing that you're saying, you're probably wrong. Good advice. Yeah. It, uh, let's see, we've, we've been around 4,000 years and nobody else has come up with it yet? Hmm. I mean, this is a problem with things like the, uh, the, the uh, New Apostolic Reformation and some of this, this modern teaching, uh, the esoteric, you know, or you know, they've said this about Jesus for years, but let me tell you the truth. Yes, and yes. You go, no. And that's the, the appeal and the power of a lot of the cults. Yeah. They'll take an area of doctrine maybe that's hard to understand or confusing and say, they've got the answer. Yeah. And then that leads to all sorts of stuff. What would be one type that people have come up with from the tabernacle or temple that you would say, no, that's not the case? Um, I don't know, because I, I didn't dwell on it. Okay. But I do have, um, in one or two of my classes, I've provided a list from one author that's, I don't know, 30 or 40 different things. And I just provide it for them to look at and determine for themselves yeah. what's legit and what's not legit. Then I give the things that I know are legit. We just discuss those in detail. And then I mention some things that may, they sound like they could be legit, but they're, they're a little more subjective. Um, I got a, 
an infographic. So this infographic summarizes the tabernacle this way. It says the lampstand, God gives light to sinners. It says the ark, God reigns over sinners. It says the curtain, God is separate from sinners. The incense altar, God hears sinners. The showbread, God has fellowship with sinners. The altar, God saves sinners. The laver, God cleanses sinners. The tabernacle, God lives among sinners. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. I love it. And as I think on it, so much of it makes sense and is accurate. I love the fact that it's all related on God does, God does, God does. It's not me. And I, I like to how they tied in the sinners to each part. Yeah, yeah. And that, by the way, is just to give credit where credit is due, uh, com. C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S.com. Okay. I don't even know that I ever went to their website, but I did find this infographic and I like it. God bless Google image search. Right? <laughs> You know it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so important for us. Um, and, and you talked about it before about being Bereans. Um, I've I've challenged some people recently. I said if 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 you cannot point in the scriptures to where it, if you tell me you believe something, but you can't point in the scriptures to why you believe that, then you're not believing the Bible. You're believing what somebody told you. Yeah. You know, if same as what you said about the you know the the Temple Mount and Fred Fred John and Harry said this, well, well, did they? But if if you're saying, well, I believe this, 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 but you can't point in the scriptures to why you believe it, then you're not following the Bible. You're following man. It's very similar to people who, when we tell them about heaven and hell and the Savior and sin, they might say something. Well, I believe there is no hell, or they might believe say, well, I believe people whose good deeds bad outweigh their bad deeds will get to heaven. And, oh, I believe there's a hell, but it's not eternal. I'm like, fine, you believe that based on what? Yeah. That, that's just, that's a fanciful thought you have. I don't want there to be a hell, so there's not. It's totally based on absolutely nothing. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the reason why the, the, they've come up with the, this alternative um, location of the temple is because they're, they're, they're trying to, uh, match. You go. We we don't want to f- offend the Muslims with the dome of the yeah. rock there. So yeah. uh, and and we know the temple will be there, but we don't want to blow up the dome of the rock to put the temple there or destroy. You know. So it, it must be somewhere else. And you go. Well, and you know. as if a layman will come up with this amazing solution that nobody else has, and then all the Orthodox rabbis will jump on this Gentile layman's opinion and relocate the temple. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Why, why can't you see it my way? <laughs> hey, there, there is another thing. Um, you were asking what I want people to get. Yes. And then we were talking about being Bereans. And there was something that I taught when I did my Proverbs class a couple um, years back that I'm also going to be teaching in this, and it ties to type. There are certain um, symbols, types, uh, metaphors in the Bible that are only accurate and applicable to that verse. Okay. And the mistake that people make is if it means this here, it must mean this here. Well, that's a normal, that's a normal thought on typology though. Yeah, you know, like the law of first mention, if it means this here, it's, it's it means the same all the way through. And, and it doesn't. Okay. And I give a couple of very straightforward examples. Um, Satan 
like a lion uh, roams about seeking whom I, he might devour. So who's a lion in the Bible? Well, that's Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Right. Yeah. So lion stands for Jesus, lion stands for Satan. Perfect example that one doesn't necessarily carry over to the other. In fact, it has the exact diametric opposition. Yep. Um, another one would be love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For whoever loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, First John. For God so loved the world that he gave the, his only begotten son. So are we supposed to love the world or not love the world? There was something I taught the other day, uh, and I cannot remember where the verse is, but uh, people that are delving into the meanings of words. Uh, it was just an, it was an online discussion, and somebody was just getting right in. I mean, I love etymology, but they were getting right into it. And I said, well, here's this verse here. And I think I actually put it on the uh, Know My Faith uh, Facebook page. I said, here's this verse here. God says, do not go to Bethel to find me. Right? You go, okay, let's look at the word. What is Bethel? The house of God. Here's God going, do not go to the house of God to find me. So, you know, and I go, no, because Bethel was one of the places where Jeroboam set up the false, the, the calves and things. That's what he's saying. It's, you know, so you can, you can miss it. This is what you're saying. You, you, can, you can get it wrong uh, just, and again, by not knowing the whole scriptures. There's, uh, you know, the famous psalm, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Those that love you will prosper. And yet, I think it was Ezekiel, though it could have been Jeremiah, I don't remember which. God says, don't pray for this people. Yeah. Because they were under judgment and yeah. it was a done deal. So it, turn, turn that off. Yeah, we have to be Bereans. This is all plays into that. Hey, Steve, thanks again for your time. And I look forward to seeing you at uh, Camp Shoshana next year. And we look forward to seeing The Righteous 12 when it becomes available. I've got a couple of other things coming out. As you know, The Chosen is coming out. So I'll be in episode four of season three. And um, Pulled from Darkness will be coming out almost certainly this year. And uh, I've got a small role in that, but it's a, it's a pivotal role. You'll definitely see me. And I think that's going to be a fabulous film. God bless you. Thank you for watching and for listening to the Know My Faith podcast. Remember to subscribe, click the like and the bell and all those sorts of things. And if, there's, if this is the first of our podcasts that you've seen, check out the others. Uh, some very, very interesting people that I've been uh, had the privilege of speaking to over the last year and a half. God bless you.